Hi, you are listening to 100 Steps to Drag, the podcast where I sit with your favorite drag artists and ask them, how did you become this figure you are today? I am very excited with my guest today. She is a producer. She is a DJ, a drag queen, and a very funny lady. So y'all are in for a treat. Please welcome Ruvella Spreads. Hi. <laughs> Hi, baby. Thank you for doing this. I appreciate oh, you. No, thank you for having me. Like, I'm, I'm always ready to talk about myself. <laughs> right that's one thing that i thought when i started the podcast i'm like okay i feel like queens love talking or and kings love talking about themselves so this shouldn't be a problem to get guests shouldn't of course, <laughs> of course we all want to pretend like everyone wants to hear our story <laughs> yes our little stardom moment <laughs> i know right <laughs> but how have you been we were just talking a little bit before that we you were taking some a week off right yeah, I have a, well, not like a whole week, but it's been five days, which is nice. <laughs> um, it is. Yeah. And I got like, it's been great. Yesterday, I got to meet uh, one of the Spice Girls, which was exciting. Because uh, if you know me, you know that I'm a huge Spice Girls fan. So yeah, I, I'm surprised I didn't cry, but I was just smiling the entire time, like, just knowing that it was going to happen. And when it happened, I like, couldn't even stop smiling afterward. <laughs> I'm still smiling now. <laughs> I saw the picture. Oh my gosh. How did that happen? So she just released a book, uh, Sporty Spice. And um, she did like a, a Q&A. And then it was a meet and greet afterward. So like you had to get tickets. I didn't even know it was a thing. Uh, my friend saw it pop up and he like straight up just bought tickets for him and I. Which was really sweet. Like, you know, the, the power of spice. <laughs> did you ask her anything no we couldn't like there was no time to talk to her basically she did the q a for about an hour but it was like uh an interviewer after that like it was just okay like and take a picture you know you're not to don't hug her blah, blah blah but she was hugging everyone she literally was the one hugging everyone so <laughs> you're like so, she's like yes give me my fame back <laughs> yeah but she's always been famous. i know no literally <laughs> i'm not gonna get into that territory because i want to keep a good relationship with you but she was on the circle right no that was mel b that was uh, mel scary spice oh that's so true scary spice that's... and baby spice yeah okay spice. the other melanie mm, okay yeah i <laughs> have to keep melanie. my spices yeah you know what homework for today <laughs> <laughs> you're like natasha we're gonna circle back in one week yeah <laughs> and we're gonna get a quiz on this <laughs> but let's talk about the star of today which is you rubella i'm excited because i don't think i know your drag story I mean, let's talk from the beginning how was your okay. first time in drag okay so i started drag over nine years ago now so basically i was dating someone who wanted to start drag they had always talked about it and we had gone to a bunch of drag shows together like i had already like I had met Miss Luna by then. Um, I had gone to like see her show all the time. And I met Missy, uh, Missy V and Roxy Del Valle, a bunch of other people I've seen, like Jasmine Master, so many people that I had already like seen multiple times and fell in love with. So this person I was dating wanted to start drag, uh, but they said like in their previous relationship, I guess they weren't, you know, the person was like, oh, that's too femme. I don't like that, blah, blah. And it looked like something that they were very passionate about. So I was like, you know what? Like, why don't we have a party and let's all dress up in drag so you don't feel uncomfortable. And, you know, we'll go from there. And that's exactly what we did. We had this party and I didn't realize I was going to like it as much as I did. And then next thing you know, um, we told Miss Luna about it and her friend Artie Anger, 
and they were like oh well why don't you guys perform at luna show one day and we're like well fuck it yeah why not <laughs> <laughs> let's give it so, a shot yeah. yeah so we performed it was at this bar called Shetty's in uh it was near the grove in la yeah luna gave us our first performance spot and then after that i kind of started just showing up everywhere in drag you know doing what we do and started getting my bookings after that <laughs> honestly luna's yeah. given so many queens and kings their first show it's amazing i love oh, her oh yeah no luna's always been someone who like i still to this day i always tell her anytime i see her and i get really drunk i'm just like <laughs> i'm like i love you so much you don't know how much you like did for me and blah blah because she did she like taught me the ropes you know like i always say like my drag mom is saint peter deville but miss luna is really the one who showed me the ropes yeah she's amazing she's such a professional such a sweetheart honestly i need to get her here too you should. Yeah. That bitch loves talking about herself. <laughs> <laughs> but again, what drag queen does it? <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> I love that you were a supportive partner because before the relationship I am right now, I had an mm -hmm. ex and we used to watch RuPaul's Drag Race and mm -hmm. I was to, used to tell them, hey, you know, I, I want to try this. I want to give it a shot. And he'd be like, oh, like, I don't know if I would like that. I don't yeah. know. I never did because I, again, was digmatized or whatever. It was a toxic relationship. I should have seen the red flags. I didn't. Oh, the mine was too. <laughs> uh, really? But you, yeah. you decided to be supportive. Yeah, you know, I'm, I was supportive, but that didn't mean he was. <laughs> it wasn't mutual. Oh, no. my God. <laughs> Honestly, like, the best thing that came from that relationship was drag. I would have never thought to do it. I really wouldn't have. Is that person still in the drag scene doing drag? I don't know. Oh. <laughs> it, it, maybe a yes, maybe a no. Well, you'll never know. It's I a mystery. No <laughs> I don't know. We we don't keep in contact. So, mm. yeah. Okay, I feel you. I feel you. After you kicked off in drag, how did you find your drag mom? Was that immediate or was that uh, someone that you connected after years of doing drag? So it was pretty early on. So I used to go to a party called Whorehouse. It used to be at Mickey's. I used to go there a lot. And St. Peter Deville was the host. At that point, it was St. Peter and Aluja were hosting. And I just like fell in love with both of them. You know, they're both like, they were really fun. They, they were a good time. They, they knew their drag. They knew what they wanted out of it. Um, they had been performing for a while too. And they were both just like alcoholics like me. So I was like, wow, this is great. Like we're a lot of perfectly yeah a lot of us. yeah a lot of co coincidences you know like know, oh right. funny alcoholics okay we're gonna get along great <laughs> i'm in they both kind of like helped me you know develop myself even more but i was in a competition uh, called little miss welfare and peter was one of the judges there too and like he saw what my potential was, I guess. After that, like we just kind of got close. And over the years, it was never like made an official thing. But at some point, I just remember he just started calling me his daughter. And I started calling him my mom. And there was a while when I was homeless. Um, so I don't really talk about uh, too much. And Peter took me in. Like he let me like live with him for like almost a year, I think. Because <laughs> I, I had a really bad like depressive moment. And I... I couldn't get out of bed. I couldn't do anything. Like it was hard for me to like just be really. And Peter was there for me through all of that, you know? And and yeah, he saw how tough things were and he offered me a place to stay. And like the rest is history, you know? Like he would forever have a place in my heart for that. You're gonna make me cry on this Zoom call. I'm like, oh, <laughs> that is beautiful because a lot of people don't understand that 
a drag family is more than just you know getting ready and teaching you stuff they just think that it's it's not giggery but we are literally friends with our drag family like we text them every day we are here for them we cry over the phone we laugh over the phone it's it's insane yeah that's the thing i'm sure you've been asked oh do you want to be my drag mother or whatever and it's like that's not how it works. Like, yeah. That's not how, like it's literally not how it works. And if that's what you're doing, then maybe you you should try to think of another way to approach that. You know, they always say we choose our family, and that's kind of what it is. You know, like we're in each other's lives for a long time before we really start calling each other like sister, or mom, or whatever. Nice. And now you have a daughter, so you made Peter a grandparent. I know it happened organically, but tell us that story. How did you make Isadora your daughter? Um, So that was a very long journey. I've known Isadora, let's see. So I was already doing drag for maybe like three years when I first met her, which means I've probably known her for like six years now. She used to come to all of my gigs. Yeah, so she she was just always around. So of course I grew to like treat her like family. And then at some point when I started feeling more confident about my drag, I started showing her more things, you know, like, okay, like, oh, this is what I just learned today. Let me teach you this. Like she never asked and I never like, considered her a drag daughter I didn't even want a child I tried that once and it did not work out yeah like I remember one day during the pandemic literally is when I was like yeah I think it's time to call because everybody at that point already thought that she was my drag daughter so I asked her uh, I was like do you want to be my daughter she's like well fuck yeah it's about time <laughs> <laughs> she's like bitch I've been waiting all this fucking time <laughs> and literally six years yeah it was six years I mean she's like exploded like she's all over the place and I'm so proud of her so happy like to see who she is like when I first met her there was like no confidence there you know and that's something that Peter taught me you go into this and you're you're expecting certain things you know or you want certain things but as people who might not be like overly confident like you don't know how to how to believe in yourself I guess you know it takes other people to believe in you for you to actually start that process and I think that's what it was for Isadora you know and and now, like, sometimes I look at her and I'm like, bitch, calm the fuck down. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck do you think you are? You were an unwanted, unexpected drag pregnancy. <laughs> I know. Very unexpected. I wasn't ready to compromise my body <laughs> for children. <laughs> I know. And I still don't know who her father is. So, oh, my God. Know, we'll it's okay. Out. It's okay. You know, it's, it's 2022. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> who knows their dad anymore? And I love that you also DJ in drag sometimes out of drag sometimes as well yeah what came first DJing or or drag 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 definitely I always wanted to DJ like that was something that ever since I was like kind of I think in high school like I always wanted to do that I was always the one at like parties or, or kickbacks back then I was always the one controlling the music you know um I and, and everywhere I went there was like oh put on a playlist put on a playlist you know and I always had play. I had my iPod with me everywhere I went. And your no, iPod, that, I know. That, no, no, I had the big one, girl. I had a <laughs> lot of music. <laughs> um, but before that, like even I would carry my CDs around, you know, before iPods existed. That's how old I am. <laughs> um, I would carry my CDs around. And um, yeah, it was always that. Um, but I never, I didn't get into DJing until you know, like, I think it might be like five years ago now. Marta Bichu had a show at Redline and her DJ one day, I, I don't know what happened, but her DJ couldn't make it very last minute. And she knew I lived pretty close. I think we had already talked about me like wanting to DJ or something. So she was like, hey, I need someone to fill in, you know, like, you know, do you want to just come in? I was like, I don't know if I'm ready. And she's like, girl, just do it. And I was like, fuck it. 
I went and I did it. And then she kind of had me as her DJ for a while. And I was still learning, you know, I was like pretty much learning on the spot. And then I learned more from like DJ David Bangela, who I call my DJ mama. He really like showed me the ropes, you know, he's like, you, you do this, you do that. Like people are going to look at you nasty if you, if you use that. So don't use that, you know? <laughs> um, yeah, it was him. And then uh, Mateo Segale as well. Like they both just kind of took me under their wing and they helped me get gigs that I, I wanted and I didn't think I could get. And yeah, they helped me get my foot in the door. And then after that, like I've been very lucky that that's, you know, what I've been able to do. Like I, I DJ full time and it's magical. It's my favorite thing. <laughs> I can tell because you're always very hyped and you're like, the music is fun. I love it. And it's kind of similar to drag because you kind of have to just do it. You're yeah. never going to be ready. You're never going to be fully ready on day one of whether it's DJ, drag, or whatever hobby it oh, is. Yeah. You just have to start somewhere and be okay with the idea of maybe sucking ass the first time you do it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Like, I know I, I definitely was not good. I know that, like, my... <laughs> I wasn't really like mixing well, you know, I didn't really know exactly what I was doing, but I knew I wanted to learn and I learned. <laughs> I mean, I still have ways to go. I'm not saying that I'm good. I'm like, great. Cause so there's so much to DJing, you know, it's like, it's all just like drag. There's always something new to learn. I never feel like I'm like mastering it. You know, I just feel like, okay, good. I got through it. I got to keep going and practice and learn something new. Like, for instance, I even I had to go get a new controller today that I'm trying to figure out uh, how to use because uh, my my old DJ controller just crapped out on me. So I had to go buy a new one today. And that's fun and expensive. <laughs> oh, my God. Just like drag, fun and expensive. Yeah, oh, exactly. my goodness. Yeah, I will say, though, that like I don't think people and this is probably just me saying this because I'm a DJ, but especially in drag shows, I don't think people really give the DJs that much love and that much attention because y'all don't realize how much work it is. Like not only having to gather everyone's music, but making sure that like people are enjoying the party. You know, it's like I could be playing shit and then people would leave, you know. And that's not what we want at a drag show. Like you have to realize that the people aren't just going to stick around just because of the show. Like you have to have something in the middle that is going to make people want to stay. Yes. Um, yeah. Queens tip your DJs. I always tip no, my I mean, even DJs. Just a, even just a thank you. Like yeah. it's not even about tip. Just like be like, thank you, you know, or, or just introduce yourself. Even I do that at every gig I go to. And that's something I also learned from Peter and Luna. Make sure that you thank everyone that's working there. Introduce yourself. Make sure that they know who you are. Build a working relationship with everyone. Because that's really, like, the key to all of this, honestly. Like, I have, like, no followers online. Like, I have, well, mostly because I deleted my Instagram during the pandemic for a bit. <laughs> but, um, so that was my fault. But um, I have, like, no following online. But I'm able to live off of this, you know? So... It's like, it's not about your followers online or how, how much you see yourself out there. It's like, people are going to want to be around you. You have to figure out how to make that happen. It's work. You know, a lot of people don't understand it because it's nightlife and it's fun and, and mm -hmm. it's, it's drag. 
a lot of people don't see that, you know, you have to network, you have to be nice to people, you can't be just, you know, get to a dressing room and be a complete bitch. That's one of my fucking pet peeves. Of oh, my God, new yeah. and old entertainers that they get to a dressing room and they're like, a cunt. Yeah. And they just sit there and they don't talk to anyone. Once their number's over, they're like, okay, bye. And it's like, oh, okay, cool. Well, good for you, I guess. And then they wonder why nobody books them them. as often as they want. (laughs) One time I was in a competition um, Uh when I was a a bit newer in Red Lane, actually. And this girl was there and she had, you know, back then the dressing room in Red Lane was super small. And she had two assistants helping her with the get ready and whatever. And Uh like, Okay, I'm like, okay, we can deal with this, whatever, you know, there's room for everybody. But then I started being a fucking bitch to her. I mean, I, I'm, I'm assuming they were their friends, but she yeah. was so mean to them. I'm like, girl, they're here in the heat in between seven other drag queens helping you out. And you're being such a cunt to them. Like, ugh, no, I haven't heard yeah. from her since. So I think that, you know, nature took its curse. <laughs> <laughs> nature yeah. took care of her. Yeah, I mean, that's what happens. Like, I mean, like I said, I've been doing this for nine years. I've seen a lot of people come in and out of this business. And most of the people that I see, like, go out are the people who are assholes. <laughs> they come in and, and think and expect things to work out their way. But it's like, no, if you're if you're an asshole, like, nobody's going to want to work with you. And you can't blame it on anything else but yourself. Yeah. If you're yeah. a bitch, you know, go to therapy or something. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Fix your problems. <laughs> Go talk to someone about that. <laughs> no, I always talk to my dog about this. And then I can go out and be be nice to people. <laughs> I always say too, like, take care of your like your social battery. I, because, you know, when you're in drag and you're out and you're just, you're just like having a have a smile on. I always say it's like working at Disneyland. Nobody really cares about your, your personal life. What they want to know is that you're having a good time. So you go out there and you put on a smile and you pretend your ass off. You're um, so right. <laughs> yeah. And then you go home and you're like, okay, now I can unwind. Take care of yourselves when you do that. I think we were talking earlier about how, you know, we overwork ourselves because we think like, oh, we we have to keep our name out there. We have to make sure that nobody takes my spot, you know? Especially yeah. with so many other entertainers around, you know? There's like 8,000 shows a night. <laughs> Literally. So it, it's a pressure, you know? Like if I don't continue working continuously, someone else is going to take the spot or whatever but it's truly not the case no i mean that's the thing like if you keep working and just working to work because it happened to me a couple years ago like right before the pandemic i took a little break like i was i wasn't doing drag or even djing for like what six months i think because i i needed a break i kind of worked myself into this place where i like i hated everything i hated drag i hated being out (laughs) I was like, I can't do this right now. You know, I took that little break and then I was like, okay, good. Like now I'm, I'm ready. Yeah. I try to take a week off maybe a month, maybe every, every two months, you know, but I try to make sure that it happens because I don't want to feel like I hate drag or DJing, you know, like I don't want that because I love it so much. At the end of the day, it's your job. You know, we can love any job as much as you want, whether it's drag, whether it's corporate gig, whether it's customer service, whatever, but yeah. Even you'll get to a point if you don't get enough rest that you'll 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 hate it. <laughs> you'll be like, what the fuck am I doing here? That's why it's important. Take vacations, take care of ourselves. Yeah, exactly. And that's something, you know, like I said, over time I learned like we have to do that. Because we're also we're also used to like working all the time. Like just the world in general, you know, it's we work at least five days a week. <laughs> 
And then, you know, we're expected to do overtime and do this and that and the other. And like, we rarely have time to take care of ourselves. I think with what we do, all of that, plus, like I said, all the socializing that we have to do, like it takes a toll on you. It takes a really big toll on you. Just make sure you're all taking care of yourselves, everybody. (laughs) No, literally, I before we recorded this, I took like a two hour nap. Because on Wednesday, I had a show, I had to work the next day. And then I went to like downtown LA today to get stuff. So I didn't even have a chance to like rest. And it was so nice to take that nap. And I'm like, oh, gosh, I needed it. (laughs) But in my brain, I have like this, I don't know, notion of the grind culture that it's really ingrained on us that like, oh, you have to like wake up and grind and work all the time to get somewhere. And I have to remind myself that it's unrealistic. Yeah. I can tell you now, like I was kind of working myself into like a hole, really, you know, it's like I was just not enjoying anything I was doing. And now that like I, you know, like I said, I take a week off every now and then my bills still get paid. I still have a roof over my head. You know, nothing's going wrong. I still thankfully have, you know, the the gigs that I, I want, you know, so it's like it's still going to be there. Like, don't don't be fooled by what everybody's telling you. <laughs> You're going to be OK. <laughs> yeah, girl, take care of yourself. And it's better because, I mean, at least when I take my breaks, I come mm. back and I'm like, oh, so much motivated, so much more creative. I'm like, oh, oh I don't know. Oh, it's my just God. Different. Yeah. So different. Yeah, definitely. Do you have any pet peeves or entertainers in nightlife? I know you've worked with so many kings, queens, and everything in between. But anything that you say like, oh my gosh, this is not the tea. (laughs) Of course. Yeah. I mean, like we kind of talked about like the people that just kind of sit in the back in our assholes. Like that's something I don't really like. I've always been someone, and again, learned from Peter and Luna and everyone, that like you show up to the gig early and you go and mingle you mingle with everyone you talk to the audience you know whoever's there because like they're there to see you right you know it's like we're we're asking them to give us money while we're performing (laughs) you know so it's like the least we can do is go out and and be like oh my god thank you for being here um how you doing are you having a good time blah 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 yeah so like when people don't do that it really bugs me i always like anytime that i'm hosting a party like if i if it's one that i'm putting on i always tell them like show up early I don't want anyone hanging out in the dressing room, like come upstairs and mingle or come outside and mingle. Like, I don't, I don't need you hanging out in the back (laughs) because also like we're trying to create an ambiance, you know, you got to go out there and show them, you know, like we're all here. Let's all party together. That's what we want. I want to party. I don't want to just sit and and watch a show and clap, you know? (laughs) Yeah. It's Um, not theater. (laughs) No, exactly. I think that's my biggest pet peeve. Obviously like people that are rude. I feel like that's probably the biggest one. Like, I don't like when people are like gossip, all that stuff. I think that's another reason why I've been able to work so much because I tend, I try to stay out of it. But I also, I will say that if I do see something I don't like, I I address it right then and there because it's just like, dude, don't act that way. Oh, wait, I thought of something else. Something that like recently came in conversation between Isadora and I. If you are someone who, whose makeup is not like always on point or whatever, you know, you need to practice or, you know, you need to get better. Don't show up to a gig 20 minutes before and do your face there. <laughs> Somebody actually do that? Oh, yeah. I've seen it a few times. It's like, you know, I, I can tell you when I first started drag, those pictures are still up there. Like, I, I look disgusting. I look hideous. And I knew that. I knew that. It's not, it's not that I didn't try. I just was really bad at makeup. <laughs> but I knew that. I never once went out there and thought, oh, my God, I look fierce, you know? 
Like I knew I need I needed the work, but I was like, you know what, fuck it. Like I tried. It took me hours to like this horrible. <laughs> Literally. Um, so it's like now when I see people like like I said, showing up 20 minutes before a gig and it's like just like lines all over their face, you know, I'm like, come on, like look, like you look like how I used to look, and it took me four hours to look that way. <laughs> like <laughs> Do better. You have more time. Come on. <laughs> it is crazy that I remember when I first started doing my makeup, it took me three hours and it looked a fucking mess. I'm like, now I do my face in like 45 minutes and it looks so much better. How does this make sense? I don't know. I, it really does it. I mean, we're because we're learning as we're going, right? I remember the first time that I like really did a good job on my makeup. I think it was like during or right after the first season of Dragula had aired. And like I had already known Bander for a bit. But I remember walking into the dressing room at precinct and Vander's like, oh my God, you look great. I was like, thank you. And Vander's like, who did your makeup? <laughs> I was like, whoa. I was like, it me. How dare you? But I guess thanks. I don't know. <laughs> She's yeah. like, this, this, you know, something happened. No, something changed. You didn't do this. <laughs> <laughs> it was funny, but that was the first moment I remember thinking, okay, I think I'm like finally picking it up. Getting it forever. Somewhere. I'm a slow learner, girl. I'm a slow learner. <laughs> hey, it's okay. Nobody is rushing anybody here. We all have our own journey. Yep. That is true. That is true. Just, you know, like that 20 minute makeup thing only bothers me because if you say you want it, work on it. That's really it. Even if it's still going to be bad after hours of it, as long as we know that you're working on it, that's fine. Oh, yeah. yeah. One of my favorite phrases that I always remind myself in life in general, it's no one can say a bitch didn't try. Yeah. I love it. And I tell myself every week that I'm like, no one can say a bitch didn't try. I don't know. I like that phrase because it's like, I'm trying. I'm putting all my effort this. And if it doesn't come out as they want to, at least no one can say I didn't do it my all. Exactly. I tell Isadora that too. Like that was a, a thing when she, when we first started like doing our makeup together and when I was showing her stuff, like she would rush through it. Like I'd be like in the middle of doing my, I don't know, my, my eyes still. And she'd be like almost done. And I was like, Zidora, you're, you're not done. Like, look at that. Look at that. Look at that. And then later on, she, she learned to slow down. And with, it's so weird because her slowing down actually made her makeup better. No, her slowing down made it better, but it also she learned how to do that better face in a shorter amount of time too. You know, it's a process with makeup. Definitely oh not God. easy. Oh no. my goodness. I used to hate putting on makeup. I have this thing with like the way certain things feel on my face. So like I hated the feeling of makeup. It was just disgusting. Like I always felt so disgusted um, wearing it when I was out. But like, I mean, I love I love drag. So I was like, fuck it, I'll put up with it. And now now I love it. I mean, every now and then I still get that feeling when I'm putting it on. I'm like, oh, this feels so gross. But you get used to it. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. I love the part when you're taking it off and you're just breaking it down with like Vaseline or whatever makeup remover. That to me feels like gross that feels to me like i'm in like mud or something yeah oh my gosh girl use coconut oil that's a good one i've used it a couple of times when i'm like forget it and like someone else has it uh but uh, yeah i use oh yeah it feels nasty <laughs> i love it it's good for your skin <laughs> i'm like i use it as a lube but i'll try it as well, yeah, yeah it's good for your butthole skin too <laughs> Ooh, moisturizing my butthole exactly. and my face <laughs> at the same time just <laughs> oh my god <laughs> What has been your most memorable experience in drag? Ooh, my most memorable experience. There's a lot. DJing at the Globe during DragCon. That was a big moment for me because I, like at the end of last year, I'm not really into doing resolutions, but I said two things. I'm going to DJ at the Globe and I'm going to DJ in New York. 
that's what I told myself at the end of last year, you know, like I was just like, I, I'm a big believer in manifestation. So I told myself that and I kept kind of telling myself that here and there, you know, when the thought would come up. So when that happened, that was a big moment for me because it was like, holy shit, like it's a big venue. And I would have never thought that I would DJ something that big. Soon after that, uh, my friend Tito, who runs Princess up in San Francisco, he was like, oh, we're doing Princess in New York and I want you to come with us. So then I got to DJ in New York too, you know, both of course in drag, because that's like really my shtick. There are drag DJs, you know, but uh, not a lot of us get to like do it as often or, you know, in big spaces. So yeah, that was a huge moment for me. Like both of those things really were probably the biggest. (laughs) <laughs> Look at you already ahead with your resolutions and everything. <laughs> oh my God. I also love manifestation. I follow this guy on TikTok and he gives tips on how to manifest the things you want. I have like a little shrine with my crystals and too, everything. Hey, <laughs> they work. I mean, they work because at yeah. least they keep your eyes on your goals, you know, yeah. and on what you want and what you're going to get after. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing I've thought, you know, like if you... Tell yourself it's going to happen, not say maybe, I hope. But if you say, oh, this is going to happen, it will. It will, yeah. Yeah. Whether that's good or bad, though, because sometimes I know that I've told, like, I've been like, oh, my God, this is going to happen. And then it does. I'm like, fuck, I did that. I shouldn't have done that. (laughs) I know. (laughs) Like, so my manifestation is still good today. (laughs) I'm like, it's still good today. Jesus. Why am I such a witch? (laughs) Oh, my God. Why am I so powerful? (laughs) It's such a huge deal because that Dragon Party, I remember seeing it and it had such a huge cast. It's a huge yeah. motherfucking deal. Yeah. And that was thanks to Angina. Angina is the one who like, mind you, I, I only worked with Angina a few times at Redline because I would DJ her party every now and then. And for her to like ask me to do it, I thought that was like, I mean, I already like love Angina. Angina is just always like super friendly, very sweet and kind and and is very much aware of the drag scene around here. So when she asked me to do it, I was like, holy shit, like, that's like really cool that you're like, you even thought about me for this party where you're having girls that are way more famous than I am. (laughs) Uh, Rue girls from around the world were here and I got to be there on that same stage with them. It was great. It's amazing. I mean, she saw the talent in you because fame doesn't equal talent all the time. You know, there's a ton of people out there that is super talented and it's not yet famous. And I love Angina too. She's she's such a sweetheart. Oh my God. She gave me my first gig in Palm Springs. Really? Yeah, because I did her competition a couple of years back in Redline too, New Queens. Uh And I didn't win. (laughs) <laughs> but she was like, hey, you know what? I'm having uh, Serena. I think she won her, her week on mm-hmm. Palm Springs. Would you want to come on that same day? And I'm like, oh, fuck yeah. It was so fun. And me and Serena drove oh, all the fun. way back. I love Angina. Good. Yeah, no, she's great. All right. If you could go back and give baby Rubella one piece of advice, what would that be? Suck every dick you can. I'm kidding. No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's advice that I follow to this day. I mean, that's, I'm sure yeah. you probably do too. <laughs> I mean, honestly, baby Rubella was already doing it anyway. Uh, <laughs> no, um, just believe in yourself. That's really it. I think I would have had a, I'm not saying that I don't have like a good journey going on for me. Like I'm thankful for everything I have. But I think in the beginning, it was a lot of like mistrust in myself, you know, and I didn't believe that I could do the things that I'm able to do now. I think I would have probably got there faster if I believed in myself more. That's really what I would say. I'm not really someone who likes to look back and think of like ways I could fix something or whatever. Because I think every step in our lives leads us to where we are. 
whether that is good or bad. Of course, you know, there are bad things that definitely I do regret, things that I wish never happened. But I feel like most things <laughs> happen for a reason. Other things happen because the world sucks sometimes. But I feel like most things happen for a reason. And you get where you are and you learn how to overcome all of these things without looking back. Yeah, you have to stay in the present. I think it was RuPaul that said, like, if you have one foot in the past and one foot in the future, you're going to piss on your present. So <laughs> I think that's she was who said it. I don't know. I love uh, that. Yeah, because it's true, you know, you cannot yeah. focus too much on, oh, I should have done this better or this could have gone so much differently. Yeah. Or I want to do this. You know, you have to stay in the present. Exactly. That's, that's it. I mean, definitely. I, I I know that in the past I was someone who liked to be like, fuck, I can't believe I fucked that up. Blah, blah. And maybe after a gig, you know, it's like, oh, I could have done that better. But then in the long run, I'm like, eh, whatever it happened. Like, let's move on. Let's be better. Let's move forward. Speaking of the past, you know what? <laughs> I just remembered. I think it was my second time that I was at Eat It at your uh -huh. brunch at Redline. And that day, I thought I was second on the lineup for whatever reason. I thought somebody else was first and then it was uh -huh. me. But I was actually first. So I was still downstairs and I think Valerie was hosting and yeah. I was just, you know, I was ready, but I was just downstairs, I don't know, putting nails on whatever I was doing. And then I hear Valerie, Natasha, you're up. And I'm like, fuck. And I run upstairs and I do my number. And I remember you were DJing and I felt so bad because I, I hate unprofessional bitches like we were saying. Yeah. And I'm yeah. like, oh my God, they're going to be... I, I hope they don't think I was unprofessional, that I was unprepared. And yep. for so many months, I kept that with me. I'm like, oh, my gosh. But then I was like, I don't think she remembers anymore. <laughs> nope. I don't think I ever remembered, honestly. And you I, see, yeah. that's a perfect example it, of how we stay in the past. Was that the day you did your Fergie? I, that's like one of my favorite memories of you performing. The first time I saw your Fergie, I was like, holy shit, this is really good. Thank that was you. So good. It's a very it was a straight up illusion, girl. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. No, it was be way before that. I think. Oh, okay. Yeah, because the first one I did it was like a Cinco de Mayo one, okay. and then this was just some some date. I think it was even before the pandemic. <laughs> yeah, most likely. Oh, was the other one, Matt? See, all of these dates, they all just are just the Blur. same to me. I don't know where. Yeah, I don't know what happened when. <laughs> It's fair, you know, I me neither. And it's due to the alcohol and oh. marijuana. Yeah, same. Plus other things for me, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. What is next for DJ Rubella's Freds? What are some of your short-term goals for drag and DJing and your career and some of the long-term ones? Well, long-term, I'll start with that because I know that in the long run, I want to learn how to produce my own music. I just really have to get on that, you know? I, it's always something that I wanted to do too. I just haven't gotten started. But that's long-term goals. I want to be able to do that. And I want to be able to run my own like big parties, you know? Like I, I got a taste of it years ago when I was running Neon that ran for three years and it was like one of the biggest parties at the time. And I want to kind of do that again, but I also want to focus on this. Short term, I'm going to like manifest this too. Like I'm going to uh, DJ and perform in the UK. That's always something I've wanted to do and I will do it next year. You know, hopefully that's it. I'm not hopefully ho it will happen. There's that. I want to just better my drag, you know, and, and that's something that is also going to happen. Like I don't want to stop learning. I want to keep, keep going on, keep learning, keep teaching myself and, you know, hopefully teach other people too you know and learn from other people yeah 
Long term, be a big DJ producer. Short term, be an international DJ. <laughs> Girl, you totally got this. <laughs> you totally got this. At the pace you're going, you're eating. You're eating. Like the thank like you, the youth you. say, like Gen Z says, you're eating. Eat it. <laughs> Eat it. I love it. Have you thought of maybe like going to RuPaul's Drag Con UK? Because that's something I wanted to do to like go mm -hmm. to the UK and do maybe some videos like the ones I did here at Drag Con LA for TikTok. But I don't know. It's it's kind of expensive, especially the flights. Honestly, like I wouldn't want to go during Drag Con. Uh, because there's going to be inundated with with queens, well, performers in general. I would rather just kind of go and, and do this like on my own time when there's, you know, mostly like local people there, because I feel like maybe I can make people talk about me more or, or think about me more if I'm the only out of towner at the time, you know? No, that's But smart. I've only been to DragCon when I've worked it because I don't really like big crowds. That's not my thing, which is stupid because like, I mean, this is what we do. Because <laughs> you're a but, DJ and a drag queen. <laughs> yeah, it's like, that's literally it. Like my whole point is to have a big crowd, but I don't like being in the crowd all the time. Like I get anxiety. And so DragCon for me, like when I had like a break or whatever, I'm just kind of walking around like, oh, I don't know what to do. <laughs> There's so many people here. <laughs> like, I'm just going to stay here and sit and breathe. <laughs> literally. Oh, you know, it's so funny, actually, because I, I, I mean, I don't know if I'm sure, you know, based on my Instagram stories that I'm a huge wrestling fan. So like there was one wrestler, a female wrestler, her, her name in WWE was Victoria in like the early 2000s. And she was the one like wrestler at DragCon who was like doing a signing and stuff. And I ended up becoming friends with her. That was just really funny that like at a drag convention, of course, find the wrestler there. And I'm like, I want to be friends. <laughs> so were you actively looking for her when you found out that she was going to be there? Or um, did you just bumped into her? I looked for her because um, I saw on Twitter that she was going to be there. And I like commented like, oh, my God, I'm so excited. I'm going to I'm going to definitely come find your booth. She liked it and responded. She's like, oh, I'll be at this booth. Come find me. I want to say hi. And I was like, okay, cool. So uh, sure enough, I went to find her and then like we hit it off and we we're just talking and literally we like ended up walking around DragCon together like both days. We, we were like buying each other coffee and monsters and like, you know, like, do you want to get a drink? Let's go get a drink. You know, like, yeah, we exchanged numbers and everything like it's crazy. <laughs> that is so cool. That is completely the opposite of never meet your idols because you might be get disappointed or whatever the yeah. saying is. I love that she was so sweet. Oh my gosh, she was the best. It's funny, like I said, like, of course, I would go to a fucking drag convention and find the wrestler being all nerdy about it. <laughs> I mean, wrestling is pretty draggy, you know, I mean, the costumes, the show. I, always, I, I tell people that all the time, you know, they're like, why do you like wrestling so much? I'm like, it's a fucking show. Like, it's drama. It's Broadway. It's drag. They come out to these entrants in these beautiful outfits. And then, you know, they're putting on a show for you. Like, okay, yeah, wrestling is not all real. <laughs> But I'm neither is drag. The, not going to use the F word. Exactly. <laughs> That's the thing. People are like, oh, I don't get it. It's not real. It's like, well, I mean, I'm literally up there like lip syncing like basically doing the same shit they're doing except no one's punching each other <laughs> exactly have you ever seen um lucha libre or like mexican wrestling yeah of course of course that i think that's probably the first type of wrestling i saw because i remember like out here it was like channel 22 they would have like wrestling and like i think like saturdays and sundays like at noon they would have lucha libre and i would definitely watch that all the time because at that point 
they weren't really showing WWE. They weren't showing it on like regular TV and I didn't grow up with cable. So like, I didn't really get to see that until I got older. <laughs> Lucha Libre is very, very camp too. Very homoerotic, the masks, oh my God. the costumes, the topless men. Ugh. Yeah. I mean, that is also why I watch it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a big factor. It's a big factor. <laughs> Rubella, we are getting to the end, but uh, where can people find you on social media? On Twitter, I'm under Rubella Spreads, at Rubella Spreads. Uh, you can find me on Facebook under Rubella Spreads as well. And on Instagram, it's at DJ Rubella Spreads. Also, if you are on Mixcloud or Soundcloud, you can find some of our mixes there under DJ Rubella Spreads as well. I think that's it. <laughs> Any parties yeah. you want to promote in, in the LA area that are upcoming? No, every party sucks. I'm kidding. No. Um, <laughs> oh my God, I don't even have the date on me. I think it's October 11th. I will be DJing the Henny Games, which is Isadora's new night. It's a competition where 12 people walk in and only one walks out as champion. Uh, and we're doing a Britney Spears theme this time. And of course, I'm the resident DJ for Fat Slut every third Friday at Precinct. That's hosted by Meatball. And yeah, and for any scheduling things, I always post my gigs up on my Insta story as well. <laughs> Give her a follow. You won't regret it, baby. Yeah, it's fine. I have to get into more Twitter because I feel like that's how you connect with people. You know, like you connected with that wrestler. You know what's funny? My partner is really good at Twitter. His profile pic, it's a picture of both of us. So the other day he tweeted something and somebody commented, oh, I love your TikTok uh, with your drag queen advice. And I'm like, oh, I think they think it's that me. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I should get into Twitter a little bit more. You're, you're famous now. You got recognized. <laughs> I guess. I am a micro, micro, micro influencer now. There you go. So I'm upping my booking fee. <laughs> it's $2 now. <laughs> it's now $2.50. With, with three drink tickets instead of two. <laughs> They're like, no, we can't change that. Sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry. No, it's two. Legally. <laughs> Legally. <laughs> Thank you for listening to 100 Steps to Drag. If you like my podcast, please leave me a review. If you didn't like it, um, you can keep that for yourself. I'll see you next Tuesday. Bye!